Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. in let's pray and prepare our hearts tonight to receive father god we thank you tonight for your goodness your mercy your grace your love father we thank you for sending jesus when we didn't deserve what you gave us father but you sent him anyway while we were living according to the course of the world we had no desire to follow you but your great love and your mercy and your grace father that you came and you redeemed us you set us free that you completed the work we can't add to it father but it's done it's finished We just believe it and we receive it. And we're so grateful, Father, that you made us sons and daughters, that we can come boldly to your throne to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to hit two high points real quick, uh, just to kind of review a little bit from last week, and then we're going to get right into our lesson tonight. But the first page we're going to begin with is uh, how do we see ourselves? And uh, Pastor made some uh, excellent comments concerning the scripture last week. Uh, but we're going to hit this page and then go ahead a, a few pages just for a quick review. So is our identity based on our experiences or our emotions? You know, and, and this is so important as believers that the only identity that we can have or should have is our identity in Christ Jesus. Amen. Not how we feel. And that's what this is talking about. But is it based on an experience? A lot of people want to say, well, you know, because... I've been through this or been through that or grandmama went through this or my church went through this or whatever. This is it's based on experiences, but our identity can't be based on an experience or an emotion. How many of you had one day where, man, you were just emotionally up here? And then how many of you had a day emotionally you was down here? <laughs> so what does that have to do with our identity? Nothing. But in Christ Jesus, he's always the same and our identity is always the same. Amen. Because we're hidden in him. We're alive in him. Amen. So, do you feel dead to sin? Do we always feel dead to sin? Does, do your experiences tell you that you're dead to sin? Perhaps you used to be a sex addict, a thief, an adulterer, a homosexual, or a drunkard, but that's not who you, uh, that's not, but that is who you were, and something drastic has happened. We've been born again, amen? We're not who we used to be. And uh, then here in my notes it says, we as in evangelicals have done what we accuse the liberals of doing, which are going by their feelings, what they feel and what they see. And uh, can we say these things? Can we say, I know I'm dead to sin because I feel dead to sin? Can we really say that? Come on in, brother. We can't say that because it doesn't matter how we feel. A lot of times we don't feel dead to sin. Amen. So we can't go by how we feel. Can we say this? I know I'm dead to sin because I always act dead to sin. How many of you always act dead to sin? We don't always act that way, do we? So it can't be on how, based on how we feel or any experience. No one can do that because our feelings and experiences tell us that we're very much alive to sin. And many of us are mired in addiction and living in misery and despair. We sin because we regard ourselves according to the flesh and behavior rather than who we are in Christ. The flesh is not who we are. How many of you thank God for that? The flesh is not who we are. The flesh is simply memory patterns. And this is a key point to our teaching. That's the reason I want to go back to it. The flesh is not who we are. That's not your identity. 
The flesh is simply a memory pattern of how we met our basic needs apart from Christ. And that's the reason a lot of times when people get in a pressure situation, then they revert back to what they were used to doing before they were in Christ. Amen. Or maybe even some habits they've had since they've been in Christ. But anyway, to meet a need, uh, a, a physical need, emotional need, a financial need, whatever it could may be. You know, if you take a, and I think we made this example last week, if you take a, a prostitute, for instance, and I know there's many ministries out there today that minister to prostitutes, they go out on the streets and take long stem roses and, and give them out to the prostitutes and tell them how much God loves them. There's even some ladies that have been delivered from that type of life that they'll go into the clubs and to the, uh, the, the strip joints and places where these women work and they'll go in and they'll uh, rent a, a booth, a room, and they'll go in and instead of watching the show, they go in and, and, and give her the love of God. And they pull out money and say, here, we don't want to see anything you got to show, but we came to tell you that Jesus loves you and there's a better way and he's given his life for you. And they just begin to bless her and pray with her. And, and uh, nine times out of 10, the testimonies I've heard that they're very sincere with it and welcoming the, the, uh, what they have to offer. But you know, if you take those type of people and the next week and a pressure situation comes and what does their flesh want to do? Well, the flesh wants to revert back to the way that they made money prior to coming to Christ. The flesh wants to revert back to the way and the thinking patterns that they had before they came to Christ. Just because they got born again, you know, three or four days ago, doesn't mean that they're thinking exactly like Jesus. Amen. It doesn't mean that they're going to do things that are always, uh, you know, that the church would look at and say, well, that's, that's the way they ought to do it. No, because their flesh has patterns that it remembers. And that's the reason that what? Our identity can only come from who we are in Christ. And we have to see our old man, old way of living in ourselves, sin nature dead, not just hidden, but it's dead and completely done away with. That's the reason I like what Brother Hagin said. It's been annihilated. Amen. It's been completely destroyed and it cannot be put back together. But it's our job as a church, and that's the reason we're having these classes. It's our job as a church to take this message to the world. Not condemn them, but take the message to them and tell them to do things like we just mentioned and talked about. Because if they don't know that, if they don't see that in us, how are they going to know? How will they ever know? And it's, a, it's, a, it's an extreme example of the example that Pastor uses of the gentleman that thought, you know, believed he was born again. I believe he was born again as well. But he fell back into alcoholism and got drunk and called the pastor, you know, and said, hey, why am I continuing to want to drink? I thought I was born again. He said, well, I thought you was born again too, but evidently you wasn't. And he said, well, I guess I don't have what it takes to live and I might as well end it. You know, he took his life. Well, see, that was a lie from the pit of hell. That was a lie from the pit of hell. And we are the ones that carry the good news of the gospel. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the mouthpiece of Jesus. And if we don't tell, if we don't share, how are they going to hear? Amen. So it's our job to do that. So we can't go by our feelings, by our flesh and what our experiences tell us. Now, Ellie, if you'll jump ahead to, uh, I believe it's page eight. Is that right on yours? So freedom in Christ, it has been accomplished. Amen. How many of you know it's complete? We're free. Everybody say that. Say, I'm free. I'm free. Amen. A fact that we believe is not to achieve, but believe and receive. Glory to God. It's our birthright as a child of God. It's part of the package. And we're, like I said, we're reviewing real quick. Uh, we made mention of this. It's like if you buy a vehicle and it's got a package deal that comes with it, then whatever that package is, if you sign up for it and you sign a dotted line, Brother Keith can tell you about it, and you pay the extra, then it's going to come in with the package. Well, when Christ paid the price and it's part of the package deal, when we get born again, freedom's included. 
I know I've been uh, worked in auctions before, been to auctions and bought products before, and sometimes at the end of the auction, if uh, the guy hadn't really sold what he wanted to sell, then what they'll do is they'll make a, uh, they'll call it like a lot. It's, it's a lot of stuff. But what he does, they set a pallet up front, and it may start out with 20 cases of something. And they'll start bidding on it, you know, and, they, and if he's not satisfied, he says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw in, you know, three of these. And then, and then if it keeps on going, he said, I'm going to put in two more of these and, uh, you know, a dozen of this, whatever. And I've been in places before where the pallet got up this high before, you know, and he just kept on piling on stuff. Well, it was part of the package deal, and it got better, and it got better, and it got better. And finally, whoever the highest bidder was, he got the, the pallet. But when they started out bidding, see, he didn't know it was going to get that high. He didn't know the pallet was going to keep growing. But the person at the end that was the highest bidder, he got the package. Amen. He got the deal. And in Christ Jesus, glory to God, we inherited Christ. When we got born again, we inherited him, and it's the complete package. Glory to God. Freedom is included. So thank God we've, we can walk free from sin. The body of sin is destroyed. And I actually want to read that um, in the message translation. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross. To the cross with Christ. It's a decisive end to that sin, miserable life. No longer it sins every beck. Now think about this. You know, before we came to Christ, uh, basically we were, we were like a puppet on a string. You know, if, we had a, if our flesh had a desire or a craving or whatever, we didn't know how to stand against it. We didn't have, we didn't, we weren't in Christ. So basically, that's what we did. We were sinners, so what did we do? We sinned. Now, I'm not saying we just went out looking to do something wrong, but it's, sin, it's saying right here, thank God you've been delivered from that kind of life, a sin, miserable life. We're no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. Glory to God. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as being the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. <laughs> but alive, he brings up, or he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on to his every word. You're dead to sin and alive, uh, dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Verse 14 says, sin shall no longer be your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen. Thank God we're not under that bondage any longer. Amen. Sin no longer has a rule over us. So, freedom from addiction is not something to work for, to attain, or to achieve. And this is so vital right here. Anytime that we're talking to someone, it may be on a job. I know uh, Brother Scott's had so many occasions on the job to talk to people and, and to witness to people and to share Jesus, the love of God with them, and just a normal conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's not like we have to think up some eloquent words or speech or, or angels sing or whatever. I mean, it's just if you, if you live, if you let the love of God that's in you come out and you just care a little bit and take the opportunity, you, you, you can work the situation around the, the conversation around to Jesus. But in those times, See, we need to know that, uh, or people need to know that the freedom, that's the key to this, is that the freedom has already been provided in Christ Jesus. It's not something that they're trying to, to work for to obtain. If I could just get to this or do this or just somehow get good enough or just somehow get past, you know, the, the, the three-month mark or the six-month mark, or if I could just get, you know, finish this program, then I'll, I'll have arrived. Well, no, it's not, it doesn't work that way because that's all self. That's all flesh. That's all dependent upon 
personal ability. Amen. But we have to get them to see this, that freedom from addiction has been given to them and it's for them. And all they have to do is believe it and to receive it. Amen. Believe it and to receive it. If you're working to get something that's been given to you, it's futile and frustrating. Then we quoted this scripture in Galatians chapter five. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Well, how do you get tied up again in slavery to the law? You begin to depend upon your ability. And if I can do everything right and keep these steps and those steps and all, you know, and take the care upon yourself to make sure you do everything right, that's getting tied back into the law. When you try to do it right and avoid sin and get free, you put yourself right back under the law. The law is a ministry of death and condemnation, according to 2 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7, and it stirs up sinful passions. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Now, that was a review real quick. Now let's pick up where we left off last week. I believe on your notes it'll be 11. It says, are you living a lie? And people that are living in addiction, in bondage to addiction, that's what's happening is they're living a lie and they're believing a lie. If you're engaging in addictive behavior, then you're living in deception and believing Satan's lie. Why would someone who is a child of God, who is unconditionally loved, dead to sin and freed from sin, live that way? Think about it. If they really knew that they were a child of God, if they knew they were unconditionally loved, if they knew that they were already free from sin, then why would they continue to live that way? But see, the thing of it is, most people don't know that. They don't understand that. Only if he is believing a lie about himself that he's a sinner and in bondage to sin. That's the only reason they continue to live that way. They're believing a lie about themselves, that they're sinners, that they're in bondage. How do they get free? They, they think they can't get free unless they do something to make it happen. And then what happens is, is their ability is not good enough or enough to to get through it and they wind up failing and then all of a sudden all the effort, effort and the, you know, trying to make it happen in the two weeks or the two days or whatever they made it, they made it uh, as clean and, and they didn't use or drink, then all of a sudden all that is just gone and condemnation comes. And they say, I guess I just don't have what it takes. I guess I'm just not strong enough. But as we said a few weeks ago, that's what Jesus is waiting on. He's waiting on us to say we're not strong enough. That's what most people's problem is is that they think they're too weak, but really it's not. They're too strong because they're trying to do it in their ability. Jesus wants us to become weak in self. Strong in him, weak in self. That's where trust is. Think of it as a child. I mean, a small child, do they have the ability to go out and produce, to provide an income, to provide their food, or provide the, the, the utilities, the bills paid? No. What do they trust? They trust mom and daddy. Amen. They go to, I mean, most kids today, they go to the fridge and they fully expect when they open the door, something's going to be in there. Fully expect. And if it's not, they usually say, well, what, where's the milk? You know, we're out of milk. Or, you know, where's the, where's the fruit loops or whatever, you know. Most kids today. Why? Because they're fully uh, expecting mom and dad's going to take care of them. And they trust. They're trusting. Amen. So how much more as children of God should we trust our father and look to him? Amen. He wants us to. Glory to God. So, why, uh, if one believes that they're an alcoholic or an addict, uh, or they're in bondage to sin, if they believe they're an alcoholic and an addict, etc., whatever we believe we are, that's the way that we live. 
And that's the reason it's, it's a key point to this. Another one is, is that instead of working on the behavior, that we help them change their belief. And if they change their belief, their behavior will begin to change. So it's not, uh, you know, changing the way we live, but if we help them change the way that they believe, then uh, their behaviors will begin to, to adjust. So the, the bottom line about addiction is deception. The bottom line about addiction is deception. Most Christians live in deception. They bought the lie that their feelings, their circumstances, and what most Christians tell them, <laughs> it's a lie from the pit of hell that sin rules them and keeps them in bondage of addiction. Did you hear me? It's a lie from the pit of hell that sin rules a person that is addicted and that the bondage of addiction is, you know, that they can't overcome it or it's the bondage of addiction that holds them in bondage. Most likely, the biggest lie that Satan tells us is that we're separated from God. That's what he wants us to believe, that we miss it, if we make a mistake, uh, that, that all of a sudden that God turned his back on us, he can't look on sin. How many people, have you, <laughs> preachers, have you heard say that? I'm... I'm Guilty, I've said it before, that God can't look on sin, that he turns, when, when, when someone sins, that he turns his back on them, and then we repent, get our act together, then he'll look back on us and help us. But until then, we're just kind of, you know, out there. <laughs> so <laughs> the biggest lie that Satan tells is that we're separated from God. We're not separated from God. We're in union with Christ. He paid a penalty for sin, for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. We're not separated from Christ. So we can beg and we can pray and we can ask God to deliver us. And, but if we don't believe that he's done, already done it, and that we don't believe who we are in Christ, according to Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. So it can, it, we're going to get into experience. So what, what must we experience? He put the answer there, nothing. <laughs> so what, what type of experience do we need to have to believe that we're free? The only experience that we need happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross and was buried and was raised. Amen? We were in him, and that's when it happened. Glory to God. So uh, we all let uh, we all like feelings. How many of you like feelings? How many of you like to feel good? We all do. We all like feelings and experiences, but we don't have to feel anything. We don't have to experience anything. All we have to do is simply believe. Just we use this example before. How many of you always feel like you're born again? You ever wake up in the morning just always feel like, man, it's just this is a great day. I'm born again. Let's go conquer the world. You know, we don't always feel that way, but thank God we don't live by our feelings. So. Uh, so it happened when Jesus died on the cross and was buried and was raised. We were in him, and that's when it happened. That's when our freedom came about. So how could that be? Your old sin, loving self, the old spirit that you were is dead and buried. What this means is that those who become Christians become new people. They're not the same anymore, for the old life is gone, a new life has begun. We all know the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You're not just forgiven and going to heaven. You're a new creation. And the old self is no more, and Christ is living in you, and he is your life. See, Jesus is not just, sometimes I think we, we think about it as Jesus, is, you know, it's like we're a, a building or an apartment or whatever, and Jesus is a tenant that lives inside of us. But he doesn't just live in us to, to take up space, to take up room. No, Jesus is our life. Amen? He is grace, 
And grace is not just forgiveness of sin, but grace is an ability. It's an empowerment to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Amen. It's an ability and empowerment to walk free from addiction, to walk free from the entrapment of sin and the bondage of sin. Because that's not who we are. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So when you believe the truth, it's when you experience freedom that you already have. So when do the two meet? You say, well, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, but when does somebody truly become free? Well, it tells us right here. When, when a person believes the truth, that's when they experience freedom that they already have. It already belongs to them, but when they believe the truth, when they really believe it, when they believe it and they receive it, that's when they experience the freedom that's already been provided. But if you're waiting for your feelings and behavior to line up with the truth, it'll never happen. So if a person is waiting for an experience, and they, you know, because I've heard this before, especially when people are in uh, treatment facilities. And I thank God for, I know there's true stories where this has happened. In fact, I know a minister, I could call his name now, but I won't. But he had an experience where he was on his face before God and he, one of his uh, close uh, friends that, uh, that he grew up with in, in his childhood had been killed and they came to bring him the news and uh, he said, I just lost it. He said, I went into this room and I lost it. And he said, I was crying and rolling on the floor and I was blaming God and I was screaming out to God, all this stuff, you know. And he said, and all of a sudden, he said, it's like a, a light appeared, you know, and you've heard all these people talk about these different things appearing and whatever. And all those things are good. And I'm not saying they're not God, but we don't have to have an experience like that to know that we're free in Christ. In fact, if you wait on the experience, then, then one, uh, I believe it'll really, uh, uh, as he tells us here in our teaching, that it'll never happen if you're just waiting on experience to feel like it. Amen. And not only that, how many of you know Satan will oblige people if they're looking for something out here? They're looking for something supernatural to happen. He'll call something to happen that's a counterfeit and just keep you, keep you in bondage. So don't, you know, we're not looking for a sign. We're not looking for an experience. What we do is we believe what the truth says. We believe what the word says, word says, and the word says that we're free in Christ. Amen. So if we're waiting on our feelings and behavior to line up with the truth, then freedom will never happen. And see, that's good news. That's, 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 it's very good news. That's something we can shout about because we don't have to wait. We don't, we don't have to wait on anything external. We don't have to wait for things to line up. You know, people always say, if, you know, if I can just get, get to this place or if this will happen or if, if this opportunity will come to me, then, then, you know, it'll work out. I can't tell you how many people I've talked with through the years. You know, it just seemed like they're always, you know, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul and, and if they can get the check to come in and, and if you can just help me this week and, 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 and just let me borrow this and I'll pay you back and next week when my check comes, there's always a check or it's always an experience, something, if, they, if just things will line up right. But we don't wait to that. We have to see ourselves free today. And we have to help, help people see themselves free in Christ today and not wait for some type of experience to, or circumstances to line up. They're free today. Amen. If they believe that and receive that. So what's the right response? Now, if we died with Christ, this is Romans 6, 8. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. So the right response is what? Believe. What must I do to be free? Believe. Amen. Anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Pastor and I were talking about this before service. You know, some people just aren't ready. Some people say they want to be free, but they're, not, they're just not ready. And the scripture says right here, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So we have to see ourselves as dead. We have to identify that what I think and what I want and what my body's saying doesn't matter because I, that's, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm dead with Christ. 
the old man that I used to be, that body of sin that I used to be is dead with Christ. And now there's a new man that's alive. Amen. So we just believe. So is it easy to believe in the flesh? Is it easy to believe in the mind at times? No. But do you believe Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for you? Of course. Well, why would you believe that? You weren't there. <laughs> None of us were there. You weren't there and, and you don't know anybody that was there, do we? Man, if they did, they, you need to tell them what kind of vitamins they've been taking, if they, you know, if they're still alive. So we don't know anybody that was there. But if your answer is because the word of God tells me so, then that's a good answer and it's a correct answer. The very same Bible tells us that our old self was crucified and buried and we were raised up as a new creation. It tells us that Christ is our life and that we're dead to sin and we're freed from sin. So we have the same proof for that as you do for your salvation and forgiveness. The same proof of what? That we've been made free. The same proof that we have for our salvation and the same proof that we have for forgiveness is the same proof that we have that we've been made free in Christ. So what do you choose to believe tonight? Amen. We're free. Glory to God. Sin has no more bondage over us, no more control over us. Alcohol has no more control. Whatever it is that's kept us in bondage, if we choose to identify with who we are in Christ, it has no more power over us unless we give it, unless we give it power. Amen. So this is what we mentioned last week. Go on, go, there you go. It's what we need to do. It says, here lies my old self, born in Adam and died in Christ. Crucified, dead, buried, and gone forever, the person that I was, the old, sorry, sin-loving sinner, all the world's principles, customs, values, and ways, all sins, failures, mistakes, regrets, my past. The law and all its demands and need to perform all the ways to meet my needs apart from God. Oswald Chambers said that we should have a white funeral for our old self and celebrate that he's buried forever and, you, and, and that Christ is now in us. So we ought to have a white funeral. We ought to have a funeral and, and like, just like here, put your name in. I was born in Adam such and such date and I died in Christ such and such date. Amen. And now the new man lives. Glory to God. So this is a secret. Christ lives in us. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Write your name on the tombstone and know that your old self is non-existence. He's no longer there. That the person is dead and gone. The old sin-loving sinner you were is dead and gone forever. Whether you feel like it. See, we're talking about feelings again and experiences. Whether you feel like it or act like it or, or even look like it or what anybody says. Or even what you say about yourself. It is true. Believe it, receive it. It's God's incredible gift to you. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the old self's not there. The only way to stop living as if he were still there is to realize that he's not there. <laughs> that sounds simple, doesn't it? The old self's not there. The only way to stop living as if he were still there is to realize uh, that he's not there. That's the New Testament method of teaching sanctification. The whole trouble with us, says the New Testament, is that we do not realize who we are and that we still think we're the old self and go on trying to do things to the old self, trying to repair, to make him better, to help him along. So that has, has been done. The old self was crucified with Christ. He's non-existent. He's no longer there. If we but saw this as we should, we would really begin to live as Christians in this world. And that's a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. So are you still trying to improve, to do things to the old self that's already been done? 
This is an exercise in futility and frustration that brings neg neg uh, negative and disastrous results. Sanctification and freedom are realized not by doing anything or trying to get anything. It is realizing that the truth of who you are and what you have in Christ. When you know and believe that Christ is living in you and you're dead to sin and freed from it. Now listen to this and we can help people understand this. When they know and believe that Christ is living in them and that they're dead to sin and they're freed from sin, they will no longer struggle with addiction when they really understand that and believe it. See, most of us here tonight, we, you know, we'll go home tonight and we'll get in our warm beds and, you know, we have meals provided for us and needs are met and everything's fine. But, you know, there's people on the street tonight um, that are living in a ditch or living in a alley somewhere and they got a needle hanging out their arm and they stuck themselves in every place of the body they can find. And because of the way that they've lived and done, the condemnation is up, that is upon them, we, we can't even fathom. Most of us here can't even fathom or even begin to identify with it. Amen. So what do you think the devil does? The devil beats them up. The devil tells them they're worthless. They're useless. They'll never make it. Why try? No good to society. The reason that you are where you are is because of your, your failures and mistakes. And, and, you know, the truth of that is, yes, some of the things they've made, the decisions they've made has gotten them to where they are. But, you know, Christ loves them just the same. He loves them just as much as us. He loves them just as much as anyone because Christ Jesus died for them as much as he did for us. Amen. So they need to know that. We hear this statement and, and it's just, you know, just something that maybe we've heard and we've heard and we've heard. <laughs> but when someone has lived in that, those circumstances and situations and been through that, when they really know and they believe that Christ Jesus loves them and has forgiven them and washed them clean, that they're no longer, no longer a person of sin, that they've been made holy and righteous and without blame, so much to the fact that where God himself can come live on the inside of them, then it changes everything. Do you see where I'm coming from? Now, I, I want us to catch the spirit of this, not just let it be a, a workbook. But if they begin to get a glimpse and a revelation that, that I've been made clean on the inside, I've been made brand new, somebody that didn't exist, a person that used to do that and struggle with those things, that old man, he's been killed and, and, and with Christ and completely destroyed. And now I've been made righteous and holy and without blame and uh, to the place to where God himself lives on the inside of me. Amen. And when they begin to believe that, it tells us here that when, when they begin to believe that and understand that and have a revelation of that, they'll no longer struggle with addiction. Amen. Because they'll know that they're a king's kid. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And it changes how they act because they change their belief. And God's love began to, to grow and take root on the inside of them. So behavior, their behavior will never be perfect. When they begin to believe that they're free in Christ Jesus and freed from the, from the bondage of sin, they'll no longer struggle with addiction, but their behavior will not be perfect. But addiction will be a thing of the past. So they can't get hung up with their behavior. But they have to realize this, that addiction will be a thing of the past because of who they are in Christ and their their acceptance and their belief in that. Amen. For by a single offering, this is Hebrews chapter 10, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For one offering, Jesus, he's perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Glory to God. So you're perfect tonight. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, I know what Jesus has done. And if you believe and accept what Jesus has done, you've been made perfect. 
I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what your flesh says or what anybody else says. You're free. Glory to God. And you're perfect. So what did we die to? Let's look at this real quick. What did we die to? When we died in Christ, what did we die to? Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. So we died to sin, and, the, and we died to the law of sin or the power of sin. Now understand this. We didn't die to sinning. How many of you, you know, I don't want to show a hand. You say, well, man, you should sin. What how I sin today. Now, we're not here to take a, you know, testify and say how we missed it today. But we didn't die to sinning. We live in a, uh, uh, our flesh, uh, we live in a body of sin, but you know the old self, the old man was crucified. On the inside, we're a brand new creation, amen? Brand new person, never existed before. So you will be free, why? Because you are free. So count yourself dead to sin. We talked about this last week, the old uh, term of, of reckon. You know, like in the South, people say, well, I reckon I'll go down to, but actually we, we, I don't have the Greek word in front of me, but actually, it means it's as good as money is in the uh, money in the bank. When you reckon yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ, it's as good as money money in the bank. It means that that's how real and sure it is when you reckon yourself dead in Christ and alive in Him. So count yourself dead to sin. You've been freed uh, from sin and set free from sin. The Christian life is lived by faith only. Amen. The truth only works in your life when you believe it. You get nothing by trying and working hard. <laughs> I know this sounds, you know, to the mind, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like it, like it means anything. No, it's, it's good to read the Bible. Amen? It's good to pray. It's good to give to the poor. The Bible tells us to. But what he's saying here and what we believe and what pastor teaches, he can correct me if I'm wrong, anything that we do, you do it in faith. When you read your Bible, you read it in faith. When you give to the poor, you go give to the poor in faith, not thinking that you're building up, you know, uh, you know, brownie points with the Lord. No, we're doing it because Christ lives in us and the nature of him lives in us. And when you've got the love of God shed abroad in your heart, you want to go do good things because you like your father. You see what I'm saying? It's not about the works. It's about who we are. It's about the new person that we become in Christ. And we want to do those good things. We want to read the Bible because we want to fellowship with the Lord. Amen. So, and this is 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It said, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, which is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Thank God the word of God is working in us when we believe. Actually, you get negative results if you're not living by faith. <laughs> you know, you start out in a program or you say, I'm going to read my Bible. You know, I've done that before, the, the read the Bible in a year. And you start out, man, you, you know, you think, well, I'm going to read, you know, it takes a section out of the Old Testament and it'll take a psalm and, and a section out of the New Testament. And, uh, you know, in, your, in a proverb, maybe a verse two out of Proverbs. And, and all those things are great. But see, it's about being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And doing it in faith, not out of works. And what he says right here, usually when you start out in works, it winds up in a negative, you get negative results out of it. Amen. So this really should be good news to us. It's not up to you to do or die or try. It's already been done. God has done it and it is finished. Amen. The best definition of grace is God has done it. It is finished. The best response of faith from us is thank you. Amen. The best response of faith that we can have is just thank God. 
Amen. That's the reason we ought to rejoice. That's the reason we ought to be thankful every day that it's done. Not take advantage of it, but uh, as far as, you know, uh, take it for granted, but thank God, be thankful for it, that he did it for us. And it can't just be cliche as something that we, there again, it comes back to faith. We mix our faith with it. We believe it. We appropriate it. What we don't believe, we don't have any results from. Amen. So what or who died? The sin-loving sinner that I was, that's who died. The person that I was in Adam, the person I once was but no longer am. See, there again, it changes our identity, who we identify with. We, can't, we no longer identify with the person that we, that we used to be. That's the reason we have to be careful sometimes. You know, I, I know sometimes you sit around and you talk about uh, you know, what we call war stores or pull skeletons out of the closet or whatever. And we, man, I remember we used to do this or we was down on whatever. Or I remember, you know, whatever the story may be, or you may be in a place in a, in a physical place that you remember what you did in your old life, or maybe it's whatever it is. It triggers a memory. You know what you've, you've been there and you've done. It, I know I have, but we have to be careful about that because that's not who we are. Amen. We can't identify. That's not who we are. And the person that did that, not even alive anymore. And those old videos that the enemy plays, I don't know where he got them because they don't even exist anymore. He, I, don't, I don't even know where they came from. Yeah, that's the reason Blockbuster went out of business. Now, I, don't, I don't know where he got them because the person that's on those videos is not even existing anymore. So just tell the devil, no devil, the videos that you have and you're trying to play in front of me to remind me of who that is, that you, you, I don't know who that is. That's not even me. That person doesn't even live anymore. Amen. So it's illegal. You can't even tell that it's a lie because you're the father of lies. So just you might as well turn it off right now because I'm not watching it. Amen. Hallelujah. So that person doesn't even live anymore. Amen. So uh, what else died? The person I'm trying to change and make do right, that person died. The person I'm trying to improve and help to stop sinning, that person died. So we died to sin. We died to the world. We died to the law. And to the devil. Martin Luther says his victory is a victory over the law, sin, our flesh, the world, the devil, death, hell, and all the evils. And this victory of his, he has given to us. Glory to God. So what's the problem? The problem is our unbelief, which is the root of all sin, fear, worry, anger, lust, addictive behavior, etc. The root of unbelief is deception. The root problem of our unbelief is that we're deceived. Satan has, has been able to deceive us in some way. How? By telling lies. He's a father of lies. He's a father of deception. He's a master deceiver. So we're going to believe him or we're going to believe what the word says. Are we going to believe him or we're going to believe who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's accomplished. Amen. So what's the answer? Don't be afraid. According to Mark 5, 36, he says, don't be afraid, but only believe. Amen. Do you believe that you're forgiven and saved? Of course we do. It's the truth. Christ is living in you and he is your life, whether you believe it, whether you feel like it or whether you act like it. Amen. We've got just a few more minutes here and we'll be done for tonight. Our identity is a historical fact. Think about this. Who you are in Christ, it's a historical fact. <laughs> it's based on what? It's based on the finished work of Christ. You were crucified with Christ and the old person that you were is dead. You were buried with him. You were raised up with him when he was raised. The finished work includes you. Glory to God. 
Now think about how important you are to God. If the finished work in Christ includes you, that, that tells me that you're pretty important. Amen. That God cares about you. He loves you. And I believe if it was only you here today, or, or, or if it was only you in the world that needed a Savior, that he would have sent Jesus just for you. Amen. That's how much he loves you. Glory to God. So it's a historical fact. You were raised up with him. The finished work includes you. You can count yourself dead to sin. It's a fact whether you feel like it, act like it, look like it. So why don't you experience it? Why don't people experience it? because of unbelief. Unbelief is simple fact. That's, that's the bottom line to it. The only reason we don't experience freedom is because of unbelief. The only answer that will work is to know who you are in Christ. We'll always act and behave consistently with who we believe we are. That's the reason we don't need to confess that we're an addict. We don't need to confess that we're an alcoholic. We don't confess that we're whatever because that's not who we are. We're free in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that's why behaviors, uh, modification, steps, and et cetera, like you hear a lot of treatment programs do. They modify the behavior. They won't. Uh, uh, that's why a modification behavior or steps will not give you any true and lasting freedom because it works on modifying what we do to make us better. You can work on your behavior until the cows come home or until the Lord comes back, but nothing will change until you believe the truth. Amen. We can try anything you can imagine, but until we believe the truth and we help others begin to believe the truth. Amen. And sometimes it's not going to happen overnight. You may sow a seed. You may begin just to call someone. You know, one of the greatest things you can do is somebody that's struggling with addiction is just call and encourage them. Now you may say, well, they don't believe, they, they don't deserve to be encouraged. Well, <laughs> is that true? Well, what do you deserve? What do we deserve? So one of the best things we can do, someone that's struggling in these areas is calling, just, just encourage them. I, I'm not saying, you know, to, uh, to give them money. I'm not saying to help them in their, uh, in their problem or situation. I'm not saying do that, but just call to encourage. Write a note, write a letter just to encourage. Build them up. If they're believers, build them up and tell them. If they're not a believer, tell them how much God loves them. Tell them what he's provided. If they are a believer, tell them that they're a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God. Amen. I've got someone that I'm texting now that uh, is dealing with some situation. I, I text them usually at least once a week. And I tell them, I said, uh, you're a, a mighty, it's a, it's a person, I, I can tell you who it is because <laughs> it's a woman. My wife's like, who in the world are you texting a woman? It's actually a member of my family that's younger than me, and uh, my wife knows who it is, but I text her very often, and I tell her that you're a mighty woman of God, that God's got great things for you today, that you're spotless, holy, and without blame. Doesn't matter what you've been through, what you experienced today, yesterday, or last week, your future's bright, and God has good things for you. Amen. And he loves you today, and he's thinking about you. So that's one of the best things you can do is just call and encourage. Amen. Because it may not happen overnight. But it's the seeds that we plant. It's the seeds that we sow. It's the goodness of God's love and grace and mercy that we extend that they'll begin to see, hey, maybe he does love me. Maybe there is something to this. Amen. Don't quit and don't give up. Don't give up on, these, on, on our loved ones. Amen. So you can work on your behavior until the cows come home, but if we don't believe the truth, then nothing will change. Many Christians attend, meeting, attend meetings. They confess that they're alcoholics or addicts or recovering alcoholics or addicts. Confessions that they believe they're addicts and these misbeliefs or these lies keep them in bondage. The root problem lies that they believe uh, uh, what they believe about themselves and it's not been dealt with. See, it has to be dealt with. There's no change that's going to come unless 
the root of the problem is dealt with. They can't always say, well, I'm just recovering. I'm a, I'm a recovering addict. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Well, the root of the problem is always there because that's what they're identifying with. Amen. So when Satan or, or when life gets tough or something doesn't go the way that we thought it ought to go, then what does it do? The, the flesh has patterns and memories of what it used to do, the way it used to meet the need without Christ. So it reverts right back to that. So if we say, well, I'm just a recovering alcoholic, well, we believe what? We believe we're still an alcoholic. So what do alcoholics do? They drink. But if we believe that we've been made brand new in Christ and we're free from sin, amen, and that we're a new person in Christ Jesus, then what happens? We're no longer an alcoholic, but now we're in Christ. We're not who we used to be. And so instead of reverting to the, what the flesh wanted to do, then we experience the freedom in Christ when we believe it and receive it. And all of a sudden, the grace of God, glory to God, the power and ability of God to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, it kicks in and we just kick the devil right in the face. Amen. And say, no, you're not doing it to me, devil. I'm not an addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm free in Christ. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. And I'm walking free. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So... The only way to deal with the lies of the devil is to believe the truth. Amen. It's not done by flesh and blood, but it's done by believing the truth. We'll close here tonight. Uh, How do we die to sin? It says you don't. You already have. (laughs) Stop trying to die. Stop trying to get what you already have. Amen. Don't make true by experience what's already true. Don't make true by experience what is already true, what's already complete in Christ Jesus and the finished work of Christ. We spend our lives trying to do what Jesus has already done. We work so hard to get our act together, to be someone that we already are. We are already dead to sin and freed from sin. Amen. You don't die to sin. You already have died to sin. Romans 6, 2 says we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Amen. As pastors use the example many times, I've used it. If you go to a graveyard and you find it and it says here lies Joe Bob and Joe Bob was an alcoholic. You can go to that grave and put, I mean, you can line it up with Bud Light. You can put a fifth of Jim Beam or Evan Williams or whatever. That's about all I remember (laughs) some white lightning, whatever you want to, you can line it up all the way down. And that man that's in that grave will not rise up and drink any of that. Why? Because he's dead. He doesn't exist any longer. Amen. So what are we? we've, We've died to sin and we're freed from it. Amen. So through Christ Jesus, we didn't just get forgiveness and eternal life. Salvation is not just addition, it's transformation. It's uh, transformation. I'm going to read that again. Through Christ Jesus, we didn't just get forgiveness and eternal life. Salvation is not just addition or adding to, but it's transformation. We've been completely transformed. And we know this scripture, but 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that's how much he loves us. And I know we know this scripture, but I'm telling you, the, the, the scriptures that we're going over with, this is, this, this, <laughs> this is, is uh, has the power to change destinies. It has the power to change generations. It has the power to change families that have been in bondage to alcohol and, and drugs and, and whatever the case may be, been in bondage for years. It has the power to change an entire generation. 
change your family, set them free. Why? Because they don't know, they don't know that God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. Why? So that we could be made righteous. We could become what he is. They don't know that. They, all they've been told is, you know, just do the best you can do. But God's watching and he's counting and he's writing down and he knows when you do wrong and he's, he's going to get you one day. But no, Jesus became sin. Glory to God that we could be made righteous. That's the gospel. That is the gospel right there, that one verse. That's the gospel. Our sins were put on Jesus and all of his righteousness was given to us. If we understand the, if we understand the gospel, we understand who we are and that we're dead to sin and freed from sin. This is not something to do. It's something that has been done already and it's a fact to believe. Amen. One more time as we're closing. This, not, this is not something to do. It is something that has already been done and it's a fact. We talked about that. It's an established fact. And this fact is to believe. That's all we're required to do is to believe. Amen. Glory be to God. How many of you glad you're free tonight? Hallelujah. Amen.